Hello, Julian. Hello, Mike. Tonight, we're going to talk about why vets are so expensive. And why cropping dogs' ears is simply wrong. And we're going to discuss all of this with our guest, special guest, Cat the Vet. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Here's Cat. Good afternoon. Hello, Cat. Hello. Hello. So how was the pandemic for you? That's, that's a question we ask these days, isn't it? So how was the war for you? Did you have a good war? How was the pandemic? So the pandemic for me, well, I think what you have to realise is that I've got two small children of school age. Yeah. And it has cemented in my mind why I would never be a teacher, ever. And why... I chose to go down the route of working with animals rather than children. Although I think they behave really badly for their parents. But homeschooling was just awful. I never want to do it again. I threw all my toys out of the pram when Boris announced he was closing the schools again in January. And it was very sad because it was the beginning of January. So I had cleared the house out of anything alcoholic apart from some crusty old gin. And there were no chocolate or snacks at all. So I was stress eating breadsticks and drinking elderly gin on the night that he was busy making that announcement so i mean from 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 like a working point of view you know once we sorted ourselves out it's been perfectly fine and we're making it work and you know we're still not having clients in the building in my practice but we're in a rhythm now and it's fine. I can't wait for it to be over. You know, it's in some ways it's nice not to have the clients there, isn't it? Your conversations can carry on. You know, you just talk to the bonding that's happened between the staff is phenomenal. We can mm. pretty much read those minds now because there's nothing to interrupt our, you know, we're, we're just literally spending all our time with each other. There's there's no other humans around. But it just makes client it makes client communication so difficult. It just takes such a lot of more time. I cannot wait. I can't wait to get them back in the building. And hopefully in our practice, we'll be looking to do that, the next sort of lockdown lift. So it's been a real, I mean, it's been the same for everyone, hasn't it? It's been a real learning curve. There's been positives and negatives, Mm. but the end is in sight and that's the main thing. And the children are in school. And the children are in school, yes. Yes, I have two as well, two daughters, 13 and nine. I feel your pain, Kat. I really do. Mm. But we, at the practice, we've had people coming in now for two weeks and loving it. The only problem is that, that we've all become gutter mouths during lockdown. And so, whereas before you've had a nice sort of temperate conversation with clients, it's, uh, I just get a blood sample. Oi, bitch, get the syringes. <laughs> I'm, terribly, I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry. That was my, um, but no, I'm sorry. Sorry. No, do, 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 do carry on. Do carry on. Do carry on. What do you want, wanker? No, it's all right. It's all right. It's coming. It's okay. Clients back in again. Oh, that's right. Sorry. So <laughs> we've had to learn to to turn down a bit. Just chill it out a bit. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. You can be a bit more frank mm. when the when the clients aren't in the room. But then trying to like talk to them. You know, we're going out at the moment with a fa- with face mask on in the car park, and it's so ridiculous. I appreciate that mask wearing is a good thing but while you're trying to speak to a client in a car park next to where we are quite a main road and you're busy yelling through a mask yes trying to keep distance trying to communicate things with just your eyes empathize with my eyes it I just but then you think well I'd love to take this mask off but 
you know, I'm I'm the professional in this situation. We must we must play. The You're right. So, yeah, we don't. But anyway. The end is in sight. I mean, I'm too young and healthy to have had my vaccine yet. Uh, but I uh, apparently they're rolling around. The, 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 the age group is coming for my area. So apparently I, I am on a list somewhere. Mike and I managed to get it done some 20 years early. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're very lucky. Yeah. It's unfortunate, really, because if you're, if you're down in Annika, the woods, you might end up on the end of one of our needles. Yeah. Are you doing yeah. it? We're, we're both doing it. Mike's done uh, a lot more sessions. Um, I'm still a neophyte, but I, I've learned it's the pointy end that goes in, and that, that's really the bit that counts. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't have to clip them up or wipe them with spirit or get a second pair of hands to pin them down or whip yeah. them quickly because they turn around and bite you. Didn't you find this at the beginning of the pandemic? Lots of vet professionals rushed to volunteer. We know about healthcare. They'll want us. Won't it be fabulous? We'll all do something, you know, blitz spirit and all of that. And then there was this real sort of muted outrage that they didn't want us. <laughs> no vet professionals, I think, got got asked yes. to, you know, volunteer on a ward or do something. And there was a little bit of, um, I don't know, there's a word, isn't there, for sort of a collective, mild, you know, hurt A generalised chagrin. I believe is the expression yeah, you're Something for. like that. That's a good word. Because of course we don't we're not DRV checked. We we know about medicine, but we don't know about it in people. We you know, we wouldn't know the first thing about taking blood or applying a dressing or you know, spoon feeding a grandma. We you know, we can probably or, or, or taking it, account but... of their mental health. Well, people yeah. had to do all kinds of crazy training, did they? And they were like, well, you've not done your spotting a terrorist training. You're not allowed oh, yes. anywhere near people. We've done that. We've done I that. have. I have. Yeah. yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen any. Have you seen any potential ones? A reported them for event? I don't know, because I did have an 82-year-old come in the other day, and she was hiding behind a Portsmouth football club mask. Oh, yeah. And I was did you say to her... How have you been spending a bit of time by yourself and away from your friends of late? Mm. Mm. Worried I, about that. I did wonder. Yeah. I did wonder. No, she was a lovely <laughs> old dear. Uh, the mm. uh, the admin I was working with said, uh, "Should we talk about football?" And I said, "Look at the mask. She doesn't know anything about football." Think <laughs> <laughs> we had time to chat. I thought it was in sit stab out. Pretty much. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a chat that can be had. There's a bit of a thing. It's called bedside manor cats. Yeah. Oh, right, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and none of them have complained about the bill, which is great. None of them walked out and said, how much? Cool, you, you NHS were a rip-off. I don't know whether that ever occurs to, to you as a vet, whether that happens. God, well, they charged me. with Sunday Times journalist yesterday about that very subject. So we shall see what, what piece appears. I think it's coming out. Well, by the time this airs, it'll, it'll be very much yesterday's chip paper. But um, Well, yes, I, think, I think it's a subject that goes on and on. Um, we, we were reading your blog earlier on that very subject. Aren't vets expensive? Short answer. Are, are vets expensive? Yes or no? Vets are costly. But vets are not expensive. Mm -hmm. Very good way of putting it. Mm. So yes, we're not cheap, but mm. we represent great value for money for the service that you get. That's often what I will say. Yes, we do cost 
quite significant amounts of money. And it's okay to think that. And it's okay to sometimes bulk at the cost and it's okay to sometimes not be able to afford it. But it doesn't mean that we're ripping you off or we're profiteering. There's Mm -hmm. two very different concepts happening at the same, you know, Mm -hmm. one is true and one isn't true. We represent great value for money. And you could say we are shielded from healthcare costs because of the NHS. We don't really know what things cost but then you know you get on any forum with american vets in a country where they pay for their healthcare or you know they're all handed a bill and they still struggle with it you know just spending any money at all makes people some people complain so we, we just have to sort of try to com- i know it's, it sounds terribly you know motivational speaker but you, you we do have to communicate the value of what we do mm. because it's very valuable that's what I yeah, think. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think we, we had it. I say we. Those of this slightly older generation had it easier when we first qualified because there weren't that many options for owners. We were just starting when I qualified to get into. Take a bit of Vitamox LA and some vitamin B, the pink stuff. Ram it in the back of the neck, and off they go. Absolutely, clam and DQ every Friday afternoon, and they would be fine. But but then you know, rightly, we we learned that there are more things we can do. Uh, the options for referral, the options for advanced imaging and advanced surgery are, are very much there. And of course, they, they do come at a, at a huge order of magnitude increase in, in costs. Yeah. We're often told, aren't we, be, be, be proud of what you charge. I, I don't know if that's possible to be proud of what you charge. I think you've always got to be aware that the people don't have limitless amounts of money and, and, and we, we shouldn't rely on insurance companies topping that money up. So I do think we need to be aware of the money we charge. But you're right, there is, uh, there should be an acceptance that that is value for money. Yeah. If if I do a uh, an MRI scan on, on a dog for, for a £1,000, well, you can bet that having it done in a hospital is going to be uh, a little more than that once you've got the consultant's uh, fees added into it. Yeah, absolutely. And insurance is a self-fulfilling prophecy. A lot of the these articles, when they come out saying, you know, vets bills are skyrocketing, rising above inflation, you know, hugely increased in the last five to 10 years or whatever they say. When you look at it, a lot of that is based on insurance companies. Like it's basically an advertorial for look how expensive vets are. You should take out our insurance policies. But Mm. insurance is a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you take out insurance and have four grand to spend or six grand or whatever it is on on an illness and there is the option to spend that, you know, obviously you're not going to spend it on everything. But if there is an option, if you have the freedom to spend the insurance company's money and and a, a situation where that's a suitable thing, well, I mean, obviously you're going to do it, aren't you? So, you know, yeah, so yeah. Then, then, it, then, it, then it goes up. And and I think there is this, you know, concept, and there is a bit of disquiet, even within the profession, about, you know, when do you stop? How far do you go? What do you put animals through? And how do you make sure that the ethics of the more advanced treatments are okay in, you know, in comparison to quality of life and all of that jazz? But I still think in the vast majority of cases, you know, our referral colleagues, that's their bread and butter, isn't it? The reason this is a sensitive subject for vets is because it's we're so sensitive about the fact that people will accuse us of 
you know, not caring about the animals and only caring about the money. And it's such an anathema. It's so wrong. It's completely polar opposite to actually what motivates us that we do find that very upsetting. Um, And unfortunately, we are not bombarded but if you spend any time online if you if you're into animals and you hang out in any forum any group any page that's you know full of pet owning public vet bashing will and does occur Mm. and it's very very hard to rise above it and it's also very hard to realize that as my grandmother used to tell me the emptiest ships make the most noise you know there is a small (laughs) vocal minority that will rant and rave on the internet and they can have a really you you can lose sight of the fact that they're actually you know they are a minority and actually they don't matter you know if you've got clients that are really that awful just get rid of them get rid of them (laughs) one thing that's happened a lot during the pandemic um and uh, is i think a lot of practices have offloaded awful clients i think a lot of practices have just gone we do not have the time the energy, the will to deal with this. Here's your VDS letter. Bye bye. And you're absolutely right. Really use that as an opportunity to. Yeah. Get yeah. We, we we've done that in the last year more than we've done for for the rest of my career, uh, and it's been great. It's been quite cathartic. You you're a, you're a TV vet yourself, aren't you, Kat? Or you were? You have been. Yeah. You may still be. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. I've been involved in two television programmes in my career. The first was um, a solid decade ago now, which was a television show called Animal Madhouse, which was very short lived on Channel 4. And Mm -hmm. it was called as the Embarrassing Bodies for Pets. So Embarrassing Bodies was a programme on Channel 4 where they would get people with very personal pretty disgusting rather upsetting health issues willing to showcase them on national television and it was wildly popular show and so they decided to do the same for animals so I was part of one of a team of four vets who they sort of picked for the show Mm. and they didn't come to me I wasn't headhunted I applied for it you know I'm a narcissist at heart along with a lot of other things and uh and so we did this show and we did all sorts of things we did animals with like disgusting cysts and horrible lumps and all kinds of fairly grim things and and it lasted one season nobody watched it nobody wants to see animals with disgusting problems they'll watch humans spread their legs on national television for you know hours on end but animals. so that one was very short-lived and then um I know you know I sunk back into obscurity and then I sort of started all the social media stuff and all of that kind of thing grew my writing a blog and running Facebook pages and whatnot and then a few years ago Children's BBC put out a call uh, and said <laughs> we're casting for a new show of you know for kids tv for vets and stuff and so again I was like right well yeah I'll do that so I now am a team of originally four but now five vets on that show the cameras basically come in and it's f- followers around ordinary first opinion vet work from the animal in the waiting room to the consulting room to out the back to surgery to you know post-op and that and it's all based uh, around well it's, it's four children so actually we've dealt with some quite significant themes responsible pet ownership euthanasia they laughed mm-hmm. at me because i was like we have to include death you must you must 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 get a death in 
And they were like, oh, we're really, you know, we don't know. And I was like, we need a child crying on the television. And they were like, we can't do that, cats, because, you know, you know, if in five years' time that child grows up, like you say, and then objects to the fact that they're a weeping nine-year-old because their guinea pig died, they were like, we can't have that. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, it's such a big part of pet ownership. We have to include it those is. decisions. It is. And, you know, I think pretty much every vet we've had on, and we've discussed any aspect of, of, of uh, the veterinary profession, it's got onto euthanasia. It's a huge part of our lives, our working lives, uh, and, and, and our personal lives as well. I mean, how many of us have been asked to, to put a friend's dog to sleep at the weekend or in the evening and things? I think all of us have been at some stage. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that. Euthanasia is not a big part of my personal life. I don't, you know, dash around the countryside finding animals to kill. Uh, but yes, I did. I did exactly that. I, 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 I put to sleep a friend's dog quite recently in in their kitchen in my in my downtime. Um, so yeah, it's a, it is a real. It's a gift and it's a good thing. And of course, it's it's a big part of our lives. So I was very keen for them to include that. So that's uh, now run for four years, and right. that's been really fun and that show we have had to do things like um voiceover work and we do to camera pieces and you know a bit of like acting and script reading and so it's, it's been it's been it's been really nice as a way to sort of you know get your eye on a different a different world the currently hasn't been recommissioned at the moment they made a pitch and the bbc didn't decide to take it on again but things have been really different in the world yeah. at the minute so yeah. so they're going to repitch in september and we shall see but you know this is the thing with tv is you don't you you have zero control you know it's not if they pick you that's wonderful and you can do it and it's great and it it's quite intimidating with cameras in following you around and you know you do sometimes have to on one or two occasions I have said, look, can you just stop filming just for a second while I just deal with whatever I'm doing because you're stressing me out now. And they always mm. do. Um, but they, you know, it, they edit you well. They were like, they were like, as soon as we pick this camera up, you you sort of change in your personality and we, we need you and you're all doing it. It's ridiculous. Carry on being yourselves. And you're like, well, yes, but that's fine. But, you know, you're filming me in a professional environment. I can't, you know, jape about, um, for want of a better phrase. And the first series, certainly, where we're all quite, all all of us involved were quite reserved. But then you see it, and because you have no control over editing, they don't give you any, they don't say, right, well, well, here's the final product, are you okay with this? Do you want to take any stuff out? You don't get any editorial control. You don't get any of that. But what you have to remember is it's not in their interests to make you look bad. (laughs) The whole point of the show is to make you look good and to to show the show in the positive light. So, so you do have to sort of, you do relinquish a, a huge amount of control and, and you can only do what you do. Uh, but I did take a leaf out of, um, you remember when Mel and Sue used to present the Great British Bake Off? I read an interview once that said whenever something was going wrong and a baker was getting themselves in a real tizzy and they were just really getting upset, one of the two of them would just go and stand next to them and swear like troopers because they can't use the footage then. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. Never worked with Brian Blessed for the same reasons. (laughs) (laughs) But you have worked with Mr. Tumble. Oh yes, I met Mr. Tumble. So I've done some quite cool things. We did. Mm. Um, I was involved in like 
that you know they do silly things for comic relief and stuff like that and they asked me to go and and get take part in a sketch where different characters from CBBC were appearing in a sketch together and one of the people that I met was Mr Tumble who you know if you are if you have children small children he's inevitably going to be part of your life if you don't know who he is treasure your ignorance and if you do know he, who he is, then, you know, you, you, you're either in that part of life or you're yeah. through it. So, yes, I've always yeah, yeah, that they'd phone me up one day and say, he can't make it because you come in at the last minute. But, you know, I've got, I've got my wigs, I've got my clown makeup, I've got everything like that, but they haven't asked yes, me yet. You know what, he is. And he was he was a lovely man, like quite a friendly person, just like you'd imagine him to be, actually, sort of just big and jolly and sort of squidgy and round. But... It was really it was it was genuinely interesting watching him work because he had to sort of perform this like clowning piece where he sort of put his foot in a bucket and fell over and then honked somebody's nose and you know that classic clowning. And when you see them do that up close, you realize what a skill that is. Like, you know, he did the same clowning routine three or four times as they shot from different angles and did different takes. And he was really funny. And yeah. did it brilliantly every time. And apparently he's like a classically trained clowning actor. There's some sort of area of acting where you can be classically trained as that. And he's he's from that sort of Laurel and Hardy training school of clowning. Um, mm. But we all have our skill set. That's not we mine. Do. Do. <laughs> that's, that's, Julian's, that's Julian's skill set too, Kat. Yeah. There we it, go. It, it actually is. I, I, I did uh, drama classes and acting uh, to a professional standard many years ago and and, and part of the uh, training I had was was uh, pratfalls so how to fall correctly and 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 it's it's stood me in good stead I've managed to um, fall quite convincingly in uh, various department stores in London just to lighten the mood of shoppers I was with at the time uh, I fell is it Harvey Nichols I fell down three flights of stairs um, managing to tangle myself up in one of those little plastic chains that said slippery floor so I pretended to slip at the top, twisted my arm around the chain, tumbled down the staircase, stood up and went, whew, great, oh, I'm okay. Stepped off, pretended, uh, well, you know, got, got, got my leg caught around the chain and, and, and uh, <laughs> fell down another flight, stood up, shook the chains off and said, well, thank goodness that's over, and then missed the next step as I went down the last flight of stairs and that fell down that one. <laughs> at which point six shop assistants came up to me and said, are you, are you all right? And I said, yeah, absolutely fine. Um, am I at the bus stop already? And they said, oh, my God, oh, 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 oh let's, let's call the ambulance. I said, no, it's fine, it's fine. Um, which one of you is my mother? And <laughs> at which point my wife slapped me around the head and we walked off. Yeah, you've been, threatened, you've been banned from oh, well, I mean, that stores. Mm. Yeah, it could be quite profitable, that. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I've, I've never done it for financial gain, although it has crossed my mind. <laughs> you also got banned from Marks and Spencers as well, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Other other supermarkets and stores are are actually available, so, but not to me. So what what got you into this then, Kat? I mean, what what was it? And when did you know that you were going to become a veterinary surgeon? Oh, to become a vet. Oh. I, well, I was one of those very annoying children who knew what I wanted to be from about the age of 10. Um, so people say, what, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would say, a vet. I want to be a vet. But I come from a long line of doctors. A huge amount of my family are human medics and my mum's a medic. And I mean, I don't know if this is parenting excellence or 
terrible but you know we would say as children mommy what should we be when we grow up and she would say you can be a doctor a dentist a lawyer or a vet full stop there were the four choices that we had because, uh, you know, she's really wedded to the idea of being a professional and having a vocational mm-hmm. career. And it worked for him, her, you know, my, my, her parents and my grandparents were both doctors. She's a doctor. She's got three siblings, two of which are also GPs like her. The fourth, the youngest one is a physiotherapist. Um, and of my nine cousins on my mother's side, six are doctors now. So we have this huge oh. medical family. So, so A, it was that or be a doctor, uh, effectively. And I, I decided pretty early on I liked animals better than people. In fact, I was asked that question live on a children's Saturday morning TV show. And I didn't really think terribly hard. And the kids said, Kat, why did you want to be a vet when you were little? And I went, well, because I liked animals better than people. And it was only afterwards I thought, mm, that's maybe not the child-friendly answer they were looking for. <laughs> So yeah, I did. I just, I always loved animals. And so it was always a very, it was a very, I think a lot of us decide, don't, don't we very young that that's what we want to do. Yeah. And we just, yeah, we never change our mind and we get to, you know, we go through all our schooling and because, you know, quite from early on, because the may, you know, the, the application process and is so long and, you know, you have to do so much work experience and, you know, have you worked with sheep and have you worked with cats and have you, you know, it's a, you just are you just put yourself on a trajectory and you get there and you get there and if you know I had a lot of support and I you know I came from a medical background so you know when I said I want to be a vet it was a it was completely obtainable and totally normal you know to want to do a vocational career I came from somewhere where that was not an out there suggestion and I was very supported to do it so I'm really I, I do feel like I was really lucky my husband is also a vet Kelsa Priest and he 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 had a very different sort of life his you know his you know his dad's university educated but he's not there's nobody medical even vaguely in his family he went to a completely ordinary comprehensive which I did actually for and then a completely ordinary comprehensive for his A-levels I switched to the private system for A-levels um which is where they say to you what do you want to do? And they and you say, I'd like to be a vet. And they say, no problem. We'll make you get to vet school. And, you know, you get so much support in that system. He went off to comprehensive <laughs> A-level and did it pretty much all by himself, effectively. He had one, one, one teacher that believed in him and supported him. But otherwise, he had none of this spoon-feeding me interview questions and, you know, you know, what do you want to get for your A-levels? Okay, great. We'll get you that for your A-levels. So I do feel very very fortunate that I, I made it and I never would have not made it do you know what I mean I never would have not made it because yeah. you know in a family like mine if if you express a wish to do that you try standing in front of a, a university educated middle-class mother where her middle-class daughter wants to get into vet school you you just you try and stand in her way you're not you'll not stop her you wouldn't have stopped my mother um <laughs> well I think I think you're I think you're downplaying your uh, your determinism and and, and intelligence and oh well and, uh, I mean yes I worked hard I did everything I had to I went to you know I, I spent you know countless hours in catteries scooping out cat poo and you know sitting in sitting on farms looking at cows and you know all of that and propping up walls in the local vet practice it, you do have to commit yourself you can't go into it you know half-assed and it was the right decision for me right from mm-hmm. 
you know, it's always been what I wanted to do and I'm very happy doing it. Um, I do wonder sometimes if some of the disillusionment in the profession comes from the fact that a lot of us did decide on our career path at 10 um, and are so committed to it. And you have to be so focused right from the very beginning that we never change our minds, not because we because we don't think about changing our minds. And then when you actually get and realise the reality of it, it's maybe not what you, it actually was the wrong idea. But because you have to be so laser focused and there is no real room for doubt, because if you mm. doubt it, you won't get in, you know, whether that plays a role in some of the some of the disillusionment that happens at the other end of the, of I, the journey. I think you're right. You find that some people will go through vet school take a first job and, and leave almost immediately and that the shock of, of the realization of, of what the profession is and what they'd hoped it would be is, is very different um would you if, if you're able to go back and talk to your 18 year old self um would you tell them to take the same uh, route make the same choice so what, what would you say yes i would Yes, I would. Uh, so I've been asked this question before, and yes, I absolutely would. Because A, I, I love my job and my career. It's not, you know, there are bad days and there are stressful things. And I question, sometimes you have a day where you're just like, that is it. I'm not doing this anymore. This is the worst job in the world. I absolutely hate it. I'm so rubbish at it. This is just too much. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, but I literally, I literally have no idea what else I would do. So yes. that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but also, I know that if I went back to my 18 year old self and tried to change my mind, nobody would have changed my mind. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter yeah. either way, really. And there are some people who'd give a different answer to that. But, but I, again, I sort of feel like I'm quite fortunate in the fact that, that, you know, this was always my path and this was the right path. And I did make the right choice when I was 10, but I feel like that's a chance thing really, rather than some sort of, you know, revelation you know, I think I just happened yeah. upon the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Good answer. Yeah. yeah it's really, that's really good. I mean, but Kat, you, you, you don't just limit it to working as a vet, do you? You you spend an awful lot of time working on social media, on your blog, on social platforms. And you're you're trying to communicate to the general public as well as, as just keeping everything within the veterinary profession, aren't you? What is it? That, yes. What, so, what got you into that then? Uh, so, yes, the 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 foray into social media and writing and that kind of thing is my own personal diversification within my career, and I think that is probably one of the reasons why, in addition to enjoying my job and in addition to not wanting to not be a vet anymore, like an unfortunate number of us do. Mm. Um, I think that has given me something else to think about within within the frame of the profession. So basically what happened was <clears throat> I graduated, I went off to work in a small animal veterinary hospital in Wolverhampton for its central position in the country, not its uh, cultural reputation. And Wolverhampton was lovely, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, what's, the what's the problem with Wolverhampton? Very nice. Yeah. So I did work in the posh bit, um, but I, I rarely borrowed at the time into Wolverhampton City Centre. And when I did, I always came home and thought, I need to take a shower. Um, it was it was perfectly it was perfect, it was perfectly fine, but it's no it's no book. Um so uh 
Yeah, so I did that. And I so, so, you know, the first part of your career, you are running as fast as you can to stay still. Your entire life is completely taken over by veterinary. You're exhausted all the time. It's very hard. Mm. And then I sort of came out of that. And I've always... I've always enjoyed talking to clients and communicating with them and, you know, trying to get them on board with, you know, why we're doing treatments, why we're doing what we're doing, what they need to do at home, helping them to understand the, the whatever condition it is that their pet has in order to then be more successful to treat it. Unfortunately, back in the dark ages when I graduated, so at this time, so this is about 2007, there was very little resources available to us, particularly on the internet. And what was on the internet were, were big websites in primary colors with flashing images saying Metacam kills. And I was like, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. No. So I just thought I just need, I need some, I need somewhere to send my clients and there's nowhere to send them. So, sorry, if so, I could just say other non-steroidals kill as well, obviously it wasn't just. Yeah. That, uh, all of them. And they don't, they don't quickly. Yeah. Sorry, do you hear uh so I decided to write my own website of veterinary advice because I was like I have nowhere to send my clients I'm going to just do this I, I'm, I'm going to do this which is a running theme you know through why I've ended up where I've ended up because I'm like well no one else is saying this someone should say this I'll do it um very much a theme you know it's a it's a fundamental part of my psyche essentially um mm-hmm. So I wrote this website, Veterinary Advice, which still exists. It's called catthevet.com. If you go and read some of that, please bear in mind that it was all written well over a decade ago, and I haven't had time to go and update any of it. But, no, you know, it, you know, advice mm-hmm. about lots mm-hmm. of things doesn't change. So I wrote that, and then that sort of sat there for a bit, and I didn't really do anything, anything with it. Uh, and then, you know, these things just develop, don't they? So I started to write a blog. Again, just as a way of expressing frustration and helping to educate and, you know, tackling issues. And then I started, you know, then it was the advent of social media and Facebook and all of that. So I started a Facebook page. You mentioned a blog of mine about expense. So I wrote this blog called Why Your Vet Won't Give You Credit, which was all about the costs in the background of veterinary medicine and why we cost what we do and why we won't you know, why you'll rarely get a discount or be allowed to pay off in installments, that kind of thing. Mm. And that went crazy. That was, that just was, went absolutely madly viral all across the world as soon as I'd launched it. Uh, And that kind of took my, you know, what was at that stage, a very, very small Facebook page and social media presence and really just went, bumped it right up. And at that point, people started to sort of, oh, I've heard of you. Oh, I know who you are. Mm. And then I just carried on doing, I've just carried on doing that. And now it is a very significant part of my career and part of my life. You know, if you live a life online like that, if you run any sort of page, you know, regardless of the subject, if you're doing it like that, it's hugely time consuming. It's, it's a, it's always got to be a passion project because there's all, you know, you're always social media, social media is the beast that needs to be fed. And when anyone says to me, well, I'd love to do what you do. I'd, I'd, you know, have you got any tips? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do it. I'd, you know, especially from the veterinary point of view, we need more veterinary voices. We need more sensible, normal, science-based, evidence-based advice out there. Because currently, homeopathy, raw feeding, alternative treatments, um, anti, anti-vaxxers, all wormers are chemicals, all fleas are for chemicals, have stolen the march on us hugely in the online space. We need more, more voices. Yeah. Why, why is it, do you think, that people are more willing to believe 
um, non-evidence-based things. Because even if you provide an evidence base, is it, is it that they've had their minds already turned? Or I think there's a, an essential mistrust, isn't there, of, of the, the government, the scientists, uh, people in charge, whatever, that there's, there's this feeling that getting back to nature and rubbing yourself with a crystal or a magnet will get you better because actually that's something that people have been doing for thousands of years and has been controlled by the government. Even yeah. though it doesn't oh, the, the, the nature fallacy, because it's natural, it must be safe. Uh, right, mm. well, you know, you, you go and snack on some deadly nightshade and come back and talk to me about it. Um, Tell that to Nicholas Evans, absolutely, yeah. I think, I think on the whole, I think the, the, the problem is, is the online space is a very, very different place to the real world. And it's something that I have to constantly remind myself of because I spend such a lot of time in that online space and in that in the online world yes and again it comes back to my granny and the emptiest ships making the most noise or you know if you want to be more scientific about it the Dunning-Kruger effect I don't know if you've heard of that um yep. have you not? I, I have not Mike's nodding I haven't yeah I'm sure you've heard about it it's a wonderful one. You must Google it. It's a it's this it's this wonderful bell-shaped curve. So the Dunning-Kruger effect is at the beginning of when you learn about so so it's that thing of like the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know, and the less oh, yes. yeah. you know, the, the more you think you do know. So a very superficial knowledge of a certain subject, for example, immunology and vaccination gives you the impression that you know what you're talking about but when you delve into it deeper you realize that you don't know what you realize how much knowledge there is to learn Mm -hmm. and the ironic thing is the most educated people are actually the least not confident in their uh abilities but the the most they're the most likely to if you say well it doesn't work to be cautious in what they say so the dunning-kruger effect is alive and well all over the internet Mm -hmm. And, and also those people who think they know what they're talking about write very black and white information out there. Homeopathy, it works and this is why. You know, you shouldn't, you know, rely on worm egg counts, it works and this is why. Raw food mm. is amazing and, and has absolutely no downsides whatsoever and this is why. So if you're an ordinary pet owner who's not got, you know, a, you know, is an intelligent, normal person but has no depth of scientific knowledge about a subject and you read a blog from somebody who, thinks they know what they're talking about it is incredibly convincing that's why whereas if you read a blog from someone who genuinely knows what they're talking about there's often a balanced nuance to what they're writing they're often gonna say and this you know I've got this piece of knowledge from this scientific survey they put the references in and I think some people think well you're telling me you know it because somebody else said to you well that's then that must mean you don't know what you're talking about so that's why <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing, Cap, because I got into a I got into a, a, um, a social media brawl, and I hit them with about <laughs> fifty papers, and they reverted to the black and white, <laughs> the black and white name calling. <laughs> they just were not interested in looking at fifty papers worth of evidence to show that they were wrong. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. When, when when our professional integrity is impinged upon, we we can we can all be name callers, can't we? Yeah. But actually, I think you, you're right. The more the more you know about a subject, the more receptive you are to different points of view because you can see that actually there may be 
an aspect of it that you hadn't considered. But at the very least is interesting to look at. Absolutely. And you go away and you think, okay, you question it. Like, okay, maybe, maybe there is a small but significant chance that I am wrong on this, or maybe there is some extra knowledge that I am not aware of because I am used to assimilating new knowledge all the time. So off you trot to go and research it. Mm-hmm. And 99.9% of the time, it turns out that you were right all along, but you checked. Mm-hmm. But the reason, you know, these alternative viewpoints, you know, which are very much in the minority, do not change their viewpoint is because they are not interested in researching yes. into their viewpoint. You know, yeah, I mean, we all love an underdog. It's an, and, and I think the other thing is, some of the reason why some people get into it is because there is that natural uh, need, you know, that, that natural instinct to support the underdog, mm. you know. Again, what drives me to do what I do, there's, there's two main drivers. The first is this profession. This mm-hmm. profession is amazing. The people in it are fabulous. We are incredibly skilled, full of integrity, absolutely passionate and care desperately about our patients. And we do not deserve some of the bad press we get. So one of the huge drivers behind everything that I do is just, you know, combating that and fate and trying to, uh, uh, you know, just trying to communicate how, how great we are. The other side of it is about making sure that there is good levels of information out there for the ordinary pet owner. The pylons that happen are all, you know, are, are really quite extreme and make it very hard to, you know, they want to silence. That's yes. what they're after. They want to silence, you know, people like me, but it's so important that we say it. That's it, it is. It's not for the ones who um, are are just trying to desperately do the right thing and are desperate for us, desperate for the profession to stand up and say, that, guys, this is what we think you should do, but we don't because we're quite, you know, we're sort of afraid of offending people, and and then you know the only person who loses out then is the pet. Yeah, I think are we afraid of, of offending them, or are we afraid of of getting into an argument with someone who's ranting on about something that has no scientific basis? There's 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 a bit of each, really, isn't there? absolutely I, I had a, I have I have had a conversation on my TikTok yes I'm on TikTok I'm very down with the kids um today about raw feeding because I put up a post about you know guys dogs aren't wolves and here's why and somebody said somebody made a comment and said oh I, I feed my dog kibble but I'm constantly being shamed for not feeding raw and I said you know that's and that that in the microcosm is why I do what I do because I replied and said feed kibble it is fabulous and this is why so yes Yes. and that's the other thing that annoys me is when if I post something particularly about raw food also about homeopathy I don't do it very often and one of the reasons I don't do it very often and it annoys me because this is a reason is because of the backlash that happens and if I put anything up there are tens of comments saying you don't know what you're talking about. Vets are all in the pocket of big kibble. You're killing animals. Tens and tens and tens and tens of them. And it is stressful and it is unpleasant and it is hard to deal with and to take. And I'm not the only one who suffers with this. I've seen other vets be in, in sight pylons. No, no, they don't incite them. Suffer from pylons, you know, because they've said mm. something evidence-based and correct. Nutrition is not opinion. It is a science. But 
I've seen it happen. And you know what? What they're trying to do is they're trying to bully you into silence because they do not want you to say that. And it annoys me because sometimes it works. And sometimes I just think, you know, I cannot, I just haven't got time. I just don't want to deal with that right now. And, but because I'm quite bloody minded and I hate bullies above all things, I still do it. And I'm very supportive of anyone else who wants to do it. You know, although, you know, people often say to me, you're so amazing online when people are so rude to you, you will reply with like lovely, long, you know, evidence-based messages about, you know, you know, sort of, you know, mm-hmm. restating your viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I do, I do because, because, because I just can't let it lie. I, I can't let it lie. And it's, so I bring these things on myself, but equally, you know, it's not actually, it's not actually fun <laughs> to do no. that, so, but it's just so important that somebody does it. So, do you, okay, so you you, you, poke, you poke the bear, and sometimes you get a big reaction. So yeah. Have you have you got any coping strategies to cope? Uh, well, on, on that yeah, I mean, yeah, bear? yeah. You sound like my husband. Oh, have you done it again? Have you? As I'm like, sort of <laughs> going, oh god, this has happened, and he's like, well, he's done your own fault. I don't know why you're complaining to me about it, so I don't tell him about it anymore because I don't get any sympathy. Coping strategies, not, not. Not hugely, other than the fact that I know it's going to happen, so I'm ready for it. But it still makes it, it, it doesn't ever stop it being quite, you know, very unpleasant. But you know what makes the biggest difference of all? And shout out to my, my, my fellow professionals and supporters. It's just when people comment something supportive. You know, and sometimes when yeah. I've put something up and not paid attention to it for a while, I will come back and my point of view is being defended for me in comments and in, you know, in forums. And that's wonderful. And it makes a massive difference because it's just, you know, you just think, oh, thank goodness. These people are so convinced that I am the devil incarnate. And it's just really nice to have this support. Mm-hmm. You know, that has been particularly wonderful recently because I've been involved in this campaign for anti-cropping at at dog's ears. And although I say that the raw feeders are one of the worst, which they are, um, the the crop, the people who are pro-cropping are also, some of them, a small minority, deeply, deeply unpleasant. And I've had some serious reportable abuse through that. yeah and just the one death threat um and rape threat but that came you know but that's that unfortunately is the standard of person who who thinks that chopping dog's ears off is a good idea i think i think you're right there's a general again we're generalizing i say we're generalizing actually we're we're couching that aren't we are we generalizing or Mm. does anyone who crop their dog's ears uh do it because they want their dog to look more aggressive because they are small-minded aggressive individuals themselves i put it out there can there be any logical, plausible, nice reason for wanting your dog's ears to be cropped? I don't think so. No, no. And um, unfortunately, because uh, public opinion is not on their side and that campaign is actually going incredibly well and may welcome to fruition. We're not there yet. We don't have the legislation in place, but it's looking really likely that it will happen. You know, it's sort of the, the dying throes. Mm you know, they're really lashing out. Um, So there has been a couple of quite unpleasant incidents in the last few months about that. 
which and it's always really it's it, it's always really unpleasant when it happens it's a bit like when a complaint comes into work I think we've all been through that process where the complaint yeah. comes in and there's that overwhelming feeling of panic oh my god so there's somebody's complained or something goes wrong and there's this you know the pit of your stomach falls and you feel a bit sick and you sort of like want to run away and hide under a blanket because you just think oh my god uh and then you rationalize and then you calm down and then you sort it out and you know if you made a mistake you put your hands up and it's awful it's no but you know none of the process is pleasant <laughs> and sometimes it's it, it is a, it is a bit like that where you just think oh my god what have I done why did I do that that is you know maybe these people are right and I you know I am I am what they say I am and I am as awful as they say that I am and you know maybe I have acted in a really unprofessional way and you know because my professionalism and, and how I behave online as a vet is, is is fundamental to me it's absolutely vital that I you know continue to behave as I you know as to be expected of, of somebody in a professional position I don't that doesn't mean you can't be passionate or definite in your opinions when they accuse me of things I think oh my god maybe they're right maybe I did overstep the mark you know so you have to go through this whole it's a you have to go through that journey and it's and yeah. sometimes it is it's not very nice and then it all comes out then I do it again <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah so yeah so there's ups and downs to there's ups and downs to the online world for sure but I just think it's so important that we stand up for what we believe in and and for animal welfare and and it sounds really trite but that's that's why that's that's why it's so important it doesn't it doesn't sound at all trite no is the is the petition still running because there there is a petition isn't there in front of the yeah no so the petition so well the petition is still running but it hit 100,000 subscribers uh signatures um and that petition is uh to it's got some slightly strange wording to you know reduce the numbers of ear cropped dogs but a fundamental part of the suggestion for the government is to stop them being imported right uh, which will have a twofold effect a it will stop them being imported so people can't bring them in from countries where it is not exactly legal but less illegal than it is here it's actually ear cropping mm. is actually legal in every eu member state um but in some places it's more illegal than others and mm. uh, uh stop them in being imported and, and and a lot of them had but but a huge amount mainly the bully breeds are being done in the uk i think that is a completely accepted fact now there are some unfortunately some members of our profession i say members very loosely who are pro- who are cropping bully breeds in this country and um currently are hiding behind he was imported you know yeah. he's, you know yeah. he was an imported dog um so if we but, can stop but them from in, lost the paperwork yeah mm-hmm. or you know or you get them i i had one in my practice recently um nice family teenage lad wanted a, an xl bully bought him an xl bully uh came to me for his second vaccination so 12 weeks old or, you know, eight weeks old, it was not big uh, with crop tears already healed. And I said, well, where was, you know, this is illegal. Where was it done? And the, and they said, oh, it was done in Ireland. Here's his, you know, and I was like, well, has he, has he got a passport? No passport. Here's the, here's the paperwork. Um, so I was like, okay, fine. Vaccinated the dog. The dog was fine. You know, the dog, the dog's healthy and well, and that's wonderful. Mm. It does not change the fact that something awful has happened to it, but you know, good. At least the dog is fine. So I phoned my, so I got in touch with my friend and yours, Pete Wedderburn. And I said, Pete, uh, yeah. you know, these media vets, we all talk to each other. Is it legal in Ireland? And he was like, absolutely not. So I said, I said to the owners, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to report this. And I spoke to the VDS and they said, you know, you absolutely can. And, and I said to mm. them, I'm, I'm going to report it. And they were supportive. You know, they didn't know it wasn't, it's not, 
it's not their fault but so much of fashion of particularly that kind of dog xl bully pocket bully whatever you want to call them pit bulls by any other name a lot of them um you know because it's fashion they're all sold with ears like that it's presented to the new owners mm. as completely normal it's presented as it's been done legally because it's been done in ireland or somewhere like that i mean the dog didn't have a passport so if it traveled it traveled illegally i highly i, I highly doubt it was genuinely done in ireland um and here's i mean the two pieces of paper this dog came with were ridiculous so another one little printed bit of certificate to you know to say it was a member of xl bully american kennels and one receipt for nine thousand pounds um <sighs> yes yeah. yes Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to give it all up and start breeding. Stop chopping the ears off dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and you know, but they would they didn't know because it's presented as so normal. If you yeah. go online, you go on the Instagram pages, if you go on celebrities, they've all got loads of them. Have got these dogs. The ears are chopped off. It's so normal that people mm. either don't realise these dogs have you know beautiful floppy ears that make them look like doofuses rather than you know attack dogs, which is the reason the ears are chopped off because there's so much mastiff in them. That, you know, there's lovely floppy ears. Um, and it's presented as completely normal and acceptable. And then, you know, when people kind of know it's a bit illegal, they go, oh, yeah, it's done. It's been done legally. And mm. it has. So that's the driving force. So that's 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 the idea behind that campaign is is yeah. making importation illegal. is actually quite a clever way of drawing a line in the sand and saying it's unacceptable in this country, but also making it a lot easier for convictions to happen. Yeah, that's really good. Why? Just to throw it out there. Why should we ban it? Why not just have them cropped, cropping their ears? Um, hopefully the answer is fairly easy. I think you ask a group of vets that question and we're all going to put our hackles up, aren't you? But, but there may be people watching or listening this who think, well, what is the problem? I mean, surely they're, they're done, uh, if it's done under anaesthetic and they give them pain relief afterwards, there's no pain. What, what is the problem? So there we go. Oh, yeah. I've seen that argument a lot, especially from mm. Americans. It's not painful. They're on pain relief. Like, right, well, let's chop your ears off, stick you on some non-steroidals, Metagam or other ones exist, and let's see how sore it is while it heals, shall we? Um, I, I think it's because there is there is a very clear moral and ethical line that is crossed when we perf perform cosmetic surgery on animals for nothing more than to change the way that they look to a way that we want them to look that there is no advantage to the dog at all you will see people argue that it reduces the ear infections it doesn't it reduces the risk of ear injury well if you've got no ear to injure that's marvelous but you know, these dogs aren't <laughs> but, injuring their ears but that's because you've already injured it so that's a, yeah. a bit of a non-argument isn't it absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. It is it is there there is yeah so i think it's just a very clear ethical and moral boundary and it has been um it's been i think it's been officially illegal in the uk since about two some sometime in the 2000s when some legislation was passed but it hasn't been done in the in the uk and hasn't been the breed standard for over a hundred years i'm not entirely sure whether it was officially illegal until legislation was passed more recently but it certainly was never ever ever done but those breed standards were not changed in other countries particularly america which is why it's still so routine over there yeah yeah I, when i qualified we just didn't do it um there was no need to we we, we laughed at the americans who cropped their dog's ears uh, uh, and we and, still and, and we wept pittingly for the dogs that they had it done but but have never done it and then when it became illegal over here as a kind of well yeah but it's not done anyway 
Mm. Um, but but now it is. And you're right. It's a fashion that that uh, people are willing to believe is legal because they've seen it on so many other dogs. So and there's a certain degree hope, of. So, oh no! Sorry, go on. Let's, let's hope that bill gets passed quickly. Yeah. You're obviously in teaching mode at the moment, Cad. I wonder if we get you on the on the flow of that tide. And um, perhaps you've heard of our, our little thing of, of 60 second CPD. Yes, I have. I have a plan for this. Okay, so Cat Hentridge, Cat the Vet, um, we're going to challenge you to 60 seconds CPD. And you've chosen you want to talk about and share some useful stuff on the internet that other vets can use to help support them in their job with their clients yes. starting now so because i live my life a lot online and discuss a lot of different things with a lot of different people i have a little personal bank of information that i think is brilliant for clients to help educate them and to help them learn more about things and i thought they might be helpful to you guys so the first one is this these are the wsava global nutrition committee guidelines for selecting a pet food so when clients come to us and say what should i feed my pet if we're comfortable giving them a recommendation then that's that's amazing and i think that's a lot of the time that's what they want but if they are feeding a more sort of alternative type of food these are the guidelines that they should be following and particularly i often i print this out a huge amount and say if you're feeding that kind of food wonderful check that they follow these guidelines or make sure that they, they tick a lot of these boxes because if they don't then it's possible it's not nutritionally adequate the thing that i want you to pay attention to the most is who is designing the food it is so vital particularly for smaller companies that they are employing a well-qualified nutritionist, bearing in mind that anyone can call themselves nutritionists. If they don't have a PhD, master's or a board certified vet, I wouldn't feed the food to my pets and I don't advise my clients either. But this puts it down in black and white from the Independent Nutrition Committee. Love it. They have great guidelines on all sorts of things at WSAVA. This one, the SCAP guidelines, I'd particularly like you to look at the worm control in cats and dogs for people who are a bit worried about worming or want to know more about worm counts or want to know how often they should worm their pets that is a brilliant resource and in it is a flow chart to decide what risk their pet is and how often they should worm their pets again it's completely independent from the best parasitologists in the europe canine arthritis management fabulous resource for arthritic pets i send everybody there they've got an amazing facebook page and group as well and this one i love the home assessment tool Helping clients to understand that repetitive strain injury inside the home for arthritic pets is a massive issue. Um, and then we'll just quickly run through behaviorists. If they're not associated with the APBC, the Association of Pet Behaviorists, don't touch them with a barge pole. There's a find my local one in there. I sent all my clients there. For training, dog trainers, another hugely unregulated field, the APDT. They are the association that has the highest and most stringent requirements for trainers. They assess them regularly. They make them do CPD. They, it's all really the good stuff training and behaviorists if they do it wrong can do so much damage apbc and apdt are the only people that i will trust and this one just to finally finish off zero pain philosophy is an amazing website for veterinary surgeons to talk about pain management all sorts of amazing blogs on there and and webinars and information um it's fabulous and i use it a lot those are my top ones brilliant thank you very much cat thank you very, how long did that take very me? much indeed uh, i wasn't really minutes. looking at the second huh <laughs> About three minutes. Three? Oh, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That was... That's fine. So, Kat, wow, what a what a fantastic panoply 
cornucopia, a veritable cornucopia of, uh, of information you've given us. And I think uh, that is deserving of a CBD certificate. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, that's another hour knocked off, isn't it? Can you show us the certificate before then? So give us some, some idea. Oh, it some... actually is a certificate as well. Oh, how we cute. We, it's not, it's not a certificate. It's a, it's a catificate. Oh, that's amazing! Yes, thank you very much. Of oh, learning look. stuff. There we go. Yeah, and uh, I, I was listening. I was listening <laughs> to Absolute Eighties Radio when I was doing the CPD certificate, and they play one of my favourite songs. So it says um, this certifies that all the young dudes have hoopled the necessary material. A little pun there on Matt the Hoople who sang all the young dudes. I got it. I don't know if anyone else will. Uh, we've all hoopled the necessary material and feel better for it. So it's me and him signed it. And what have we got? Mm. We've got now, we haven't touched on one of your uh, hobbies, which is we cooking. <laughs> um, and I, I also have a, a hobby of, of oh, cooking and, and trying new things. There's a jar of, um, of koi poo roulettes I bought a few years back to try. No. My advice to you is don't. don't. Uh, no, anything that says water, water rat on it, just... Steer clear. Is that an actual rat. rat in a jar? It's koi, koi poo. What's what? And what's koi, that? Koi, koi poo, one of the one of the largest uh, rodents. Uh, now, so now, it well, is a rat in a jar. Like it's, an a edible brand of, it's a brown rat. Yeah, yeah. There's an actual rat in a jar that Absolutely. you're so to eat. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I consider myself. I, I enjoy trying new things, but I think I'd, I think I'd draw the line at a rat. Draw the line at um, that. Yeah, yeah. I have one of these instead. This is a vegetarian um, shepherd's pie uh, with a uh, roast cauliflower uh, and um, and a, a, a wild garlic and tomato salsa. Well, uh, that is there, very smart. There's my barbecue that I tend to use as a triple fire pit. I've got a um, what about the Dutch oven roasting something, and then I've got two different curries cooking on uh, other parts Amazing. of the uh, of it. Uh, this is um, a moo marinière with uh, a homemade bread bowl and some homemade spaghetti. So I love cooking. Right. But well, I'm not here. not quite at that at that standard. Uh, I'm sure you are. That that's my homage to Mr. Tumble. That's me dressed as a clown. Yeah. Tumble himself, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and the rest, uh, oh, there we go. There's Thailand, a picture of Thailand, uh, the Golden Palace, because I think you did oh, some. Oh, Thailand and Thai food. Oh, my God, Thai food. Yes. Yeah. I'd go back there uh, for the food. To go. Uh, there's some pictures of the of the Peak District. Lovely. Uh, On my doorstep. And there's a brachycephalic dog, it's a French bulldog with cropped ears, I saw a couple of years back. That, um, <laughs> oh my god a, a double whammy <laughs> absolutely was it raw fed and then you'd have picked every box do you know i think it might have been raw fed been. with homeopathic no so I, I did not get on well with the owners <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they were surprised to find out that uh when i did the the uh airway surgery on it i, I charged oh, do you do less. good for you yeah yeah and i charged less for boas surgery if they have it neutered at the same time. They said, they said you're giving me the wrong price. They said, it's 200 pounds. You, you've put this 200 pounds less if I get it neutered. And I said, yeah, that's right. That's right. Essentially, I'm paying for you to get it neutered because I don't want them round anymore. They're, uh, 
<laughs> abominations well, of zombies. RF, well, PDSA would do that as well, eh? Ah, uh, ah, uh, yes. <laughs> but there we go. So there's there's the certificate. If well, that's that is that is you put a lot of thought into that. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. I'm very flattered. You're more than welcome. Right. More well, than welcome. We didn't talk about cooking or MasterChef. No, I mean, not. I'm not into uh, creating my own Indian banquets on a fire pit. I just more feel, you know, smug that my kids will eat more than chicken nuggets and chips. Nothing but, wrong with that. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm preparing tonight. I'm preparing poached white fish with um, fresh Dorset creamed butter and uh, sea salt with. Um, Broccoli spears and crunchy croutons. Ooh, sounds delicious. It is. I think Poppy's well, going to love eating that. That's that's for Mike's dog. But Mike, Mike, and uh, Mike and his lovely partner don't eat as well as that. No, no, no. We've got beans on toast. <laughs> I don't. Anyway, anyway, we have taken up. A lot of your time for which many many thanks because you've given us an amazing afternoon it's been great fun. oh you're uh, welcome you're welcome it's been fun There's nothing more that i love than talking about myself and my passion so it's, it's absolutely fine <laughs> well there's nothing more apparently that mike and i love than listening to you cat the vet thank you very very much indeed for joining us today you're very welcome thank you very much for having me i've really had a lovely time that's absolutely fabulous so all it be about all it bodes for us to do then is to uh, to wish you all the best and uh, we'll, ra- we'll raise a mug as it's an afternoon recording well, may your dog go with you may your dog go with you or always come back to you at the very least cat <laughs> <laughs> the vet thank you very much indeed you you're take- welcome bye bye take care bye bye Wow, that's amazing. What a dynamo. Yeah.